Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Naked and Inside Out. It's Janine Toro here. We're an LGBT podcast highlighting people and allies in the community that are doing some incredible things with their lives and careers, and we're here to share these stories with you. Today we have on Robin Kenner. Robin, I'm so excited to have you on. Welcome to the show. So Robin, you're doing a lot of things. You're an art director at Amazon, co-founder and designer for My Trans Health. You've worked with the White House under the Obama administration, running a queer in tech panel for the 2016 hashtag WHLGBTQ tech. I'm assuming that was the summit, but we can talk about that in a little bit. You spoke at Etsy, guest lectured at Cooper Union. You've been on podcasts like Let's Make Mistakes and Design EDU Today. So many incredible things that I'm so excited about talking about. Maybe we can get started about talking a little bit about where you're from and kind of like how you ended up to where you are today in Seattle. My family sort of decided to move to rural Maine. So we moved to this little town called Fairfield, where I was like, just kind of hanging out for lack of better words. So I was like, 18 when I graduated high school early by this weird chance and like worked at a Wendy's and a fast food place uh, from like 5 p.m. to 12 a.m. And then at 12 a.m. I would have like a ton of anxiety about gender design stuff. So I would like kind of like mimic album covers or like try and figure out like what like websites look like if I can make one of those. And I just started to like fool around with the internet. And I kept that up until I, you know, went to college at University of Maine at Farmington and did like this like kind of intensive art program where I made a bunch of work about gender then. And then um, after high school, I toured in bands for a little while and managed musicians. And I worked at a theater, like making uh, for a Christmas carol. I ran a magazine. I kind of like worked at this publishing house too. Then I like worked profit. Then I worked in advertising Then I kind of moved around a bunch. And then I was like a cam girl for a little bit. What? Yeah. Uh, Wait, let's talk more about that. Yeah. yeah. So (laughs) I have a lot of questions. I was actually just having a conversation about this, like about a few hours ago with somebody like, were you full? Like, you could see your face? Yeah, for really? sure. Really? And you're, like, cool with that in terms of, like, I don't know, say, like, I, I get it. Like, say a future employer sees you, like, they're on a fucking porn site, right? Like, whatever. But, like, you're cool with that? Like, or, or like, th- th- was there, like, a thought process that went on to decide that? Or just from the get-go, you're like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm cool with that. Uh, my thought process was that I needed to make rent. Yeah, that was pretty much all I thought about at the time. Uh, yeah, so uh, I did it a couple of times when I was really, really young. Like, not really young, but like 22 or something like that. And then when there was like a... I had a weird scent when I was living in Portland, Oregon for four months. Like, And I was like t- designing my trans health in an attic. And uh, I was trying to freelance, but like, couldn't like, it was, it was really difficult to be a freelance designer in Portland, Oregon. So like when I started to panic and like holiday season set in, which means like freelance is kind of dries up. I, I just cam girled uh, and I 
paid my November 2015 rent by Ken Darling. Well, yeah, I mean, I remember like doing, first of all, like I, I did all this research on it because that's just who I am in general. Like you'll tell me something and I'm like, no, that's not true. I need to like validate it or like whatever. Because someone was telling me that like, hey, you can make like 80K like with taxes, like 80K. And I'm like, you're full of shit. And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, how often are they doing this, right? Like, and they're like, a few times a week, all year long. And I'm like, there is no, and maybe it's true. Like, I mean, I did, I mean, it's not like there's like, you know, statistics based on this stuff uh, readily available on the internet. Yeah. Well, like from, at least from my experience, Kim Girling is about building relationships. So like frequently I found experiences with men where like, they would like fight and then like start to talk to me and then like a few days later or a few weeks later then they would get invested into like shelling out money but they're they can be very hesitant at first um so yeah it's kind of it's cam grilling involves a lot of sociology right and like i don't know i mean it's weird like um (laughs) i love how i'm like saying this on the air but whatever i'm there's something sort of like intriguing about it. But for me, I think what would be cool, like, or at least the exciting factor part for me would be like the mystery part of it. Like if I was only showing like certain parts of me so you couldn't identify me and like, I don't know, like I feel like it would be really fun. But then I'm like, I don't know, say someone notices me like my coworkers or my parents. And I'm like, I don't know, like, and then like, maybe I'm just thinking too much about everything. But yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but non-passing trans woman for the most part. So like, you kind of know the deal when you meet me. (laughs) Right. uh, So I, I, I don't, I'm kind of thoughtless on that thing. And I mean, the way I've lived my life generally on the internet is super, super open. So there hasn't been that much I've kept from the internet. So I feel like when people start to work with me, at least when I was like, I'd like hashtag street crud or whatever like I would be like oh no I hope they don't know this thing about me but I kind of like I flipped it which is like a lot of what marginalized people do is like they turn their misery into a brand and I very consciously did that with my trans health so like now it's just like I'm like all right well if I'm in the room you know what I made so like we kind of know where I'm at none of that shifts like how good I am or whatever no that's great and I mean I think that I feel like I can relate to that in some ways because for me, I didn't come out till like about two years ago, like fully to the world, but I have an LGBTQ plus podcast, right? So I really can't hide behind, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm gay. Like, I'm like, you know, like it's, I think there's something like amazing about that. Like you're doing something obviously for other people like you going through something similar like you. But you're also, in the same way, like empowering other people to do that same thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, my trans health is like, it's not, I guess it's revolutionary in that, like, we're like, I don't want to call it revolutionary, but like, it's, it was like a thing because we bring information together into like a uniform experience. But I mean, this like this information is available on the internet. The, you know, the thing that my trans health does is we find the people and then we actually call them and talk to them on the phone and like ask them like how they talk to trans people. And like because of that, like we alleviate any sort of like 
potential weird experiences you would have if you like, walked into the room for the first time. It's like a super, super anxious experience if like you're not like really well versed with it. And like if you're just starting to transition, you might not be. So my trans health basically just gets anxiety out of the way, which uh, is is good. That's kind of what the trans community needs. Right. But what's interesting to me is you're almost like the concierge, right? Like, so I'm going to go on this tangent really quick about sort of information and the world today, right? Like we have these assumptions, right? Like that people know what Skype is or that people know what, I don't know, Uber is and people know what, I don't know, like just the day to day that I take for granted that I know because you know, you took all this information that is ready, but readily available online, but you aggregated it in one place and organized it and made it easy for people and created a step-by-step process. You, you took out like the quote unquote hard factor of it. Like you're making it super simple for people to get the information that they need. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was, that was the point. And like, it's totally like based off my own experience. And trying to get access to healthcare, and just having really bad experiences with therapists that like ultimately prevented me from like furthering along my transition when I was younger. And uh, I just feel like if you're like if you're young or you know whatever age you are, and like you're ready to transition, that should be met with like a okay, sure, like let's do that, as opposed to like a well, are you sure? Or you know, are you you know, do you want to do this? Do you know, it's going to ruin your life, like all that kind of crap. Right. So, like, like shit, if you're, like, in the room, like, you've thought about it a lot. So, like, you don't need somebody else to question your intent on your identity. Like, you just need somebody to help you. So, like, that's kind of the root of my trans health. And, like, you know, there's there's multiple sites out there that, like, you know, have started to do this work, too. Like, Rad Remedy is really good. And, you know, the only... You know, the only difference between us two is that, like, we just call people, but the, the information's there, too. Right. And I think that a big part of it is that ease of sharing information with people that need it. So it just makes me think of, like, even this election, right? For example, like, this whole thing now with articles being distributed across the web and being able to validate whether the news is fake or not and all these conversations around this, it's like... I don't know, like, these are things that, like, I was taught and I learned and maybe I'm taking it for granted. And I didn't know that, like, all these other people don't know that and they're gullible or they believe whatever it is. And it's like, how do you educate these people without, without, I don't know, right? Like, 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 it's an interesting problem to solve, right? It's like, how do you educate people without insulting them? But in the same way, like, make it fun and not make it seem like you're lecturing at somebody in the same way. Sure. I mean, I think, you know, that's a lot that that specifically is complicated in the sense that the RNC, the Republicans have kind of turned fake news into a brand, right? Like it's a, it's a business. Like people are making a shitload of money off making fake news. So like if you're, you know, a 22 year old cishet white dude in Nebraska and you can just make a fake site that like has fake news on it, but hits clicks like you start to make money. So it's, it's more than just like fighting like this educational awareness for people, but it's, it's the fact that like, like fake news is a business now, like from it, from whatever I fight back from, like, I understand that like, it's always been a thing, but now it's a business that now people see where the money is with it. And it's generally um, exploited because what do they have to lose? Right. Yeah. 
When I was researching you for the show, I came across this website called babevibes.com, which I never knew existed. And I'm now glad that I do know that it exists. Yeah. It was really cool. Like, I guess the gist of it is essentially like whoever runs the site sends you a disposable camera and then you send them back that camera and any artifacts like receipts or like um, bus tickets, um, notes that you wrote. And then they display it on the blog there, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I thought it was really cool. And one of the questions was, what do you think for you is the difference between needing and wanting? And your response was, the difference is desire. While my body may need water, it wants all of your love. And I really, yeah, I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think, you know, I wrote that specifically at a time in which, like, I was just totally screwed and over my head. Like, Kara, who runs Bay Vibes, is, like, a really good friend of mine. But, you know, I was living in Boston, and she and I were talking over email, and I was like, hey, I'm thinking about moving to Portland, Oregon. Can you, like, send me some stuff about Portland? So she sent me some stuff, and then she was like, I'm going to send you a disposable camera, and then, like, if you want to just take photos of this, you know, trip, like, go go for it. And, like, I was literally, like, you know, taking two suitcases out and, like, renting an Airbnb for a week and figuring it out. So, like, when I wrote those questions, I remember I was in this cafe in North Portland, and I I was just really thinking about, like, like she like the way Kara works is she's so poetic and soft and rude. And uh, when she was like, you know, tell me the difference between needing and wanting, I was like, well, my body needs these things to stay alive. Like I need water. I need air. Like that's pretty much what I need food to like be a person. But like what my body wants, you know, I think, I think it's radical when trans women talk about being loved. Like I, I want to, I want people to get familiar with the idea of trans women being something that can be loved. And so, yeah, like my body might need like fresh air, food and water, but what it really wants is like love and affection. And I think that gets kind of broken up in, you know, in conversations about trans women nowadays. When did you know that you were trans? Uh, Like, uh, you know, some of my early memories, like I think it was six or something. I would like have these just weird dreams about being trans or like being a girl. And then I, you know, I just started like being me and it was met with some pretty harsh uh, frustrations from people around me. So I kind of knew from an early age, it was like something that I wasn't supposed to do or whatever. And then I, yeah, I, so I transitioned when I was like 21 without access to hormones. I, I just did it. And like, moved to Minneapolis and like was totally unemployable and like uh, was really socially awkward. And I just like had like a bunch of anxiety and I was like trying to be a designer, but like, it, like it was, I just didn't know. I was in over my head on what design was. And uh, yeah, I was, it was just like a weird time. And I basically just like got the crap beat out of me daily. Um, Wait, like, like literally? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. There was a couple times. Let's peel back for one second. So can you explain to me what you mean by you decided to transition without hormones? Like, what what does that mean? Uh, that means I changed my name and I was presenting super femme and, like, asked people to use she, her pronouns, but nobody would give me estrogen. So I was still left with testosterone in my body. 
which meant that like, though I was starting to present and like that felt better to me and like my mind was still like had a lot of dysphoria around it. So it, it ultimately just like ended to be like a really bad experience where I was like kind of alone in the middle of Minneapolis, also trying to transition. And like, I was like, I had like this weird double life and I wasn't really communicating with anybody back in Maine about what I was doing. So I just, I just kind of went off and it was, this is a really socially anxious period in my life. And uh, I did it for like a year and then I just stopped transitioning because I just was exhausted from fighting all the time. There's just so much anxiety and uh, it just, just, I couldn't win. So I, yeah, I was living in Minneapolis and I bought a bus ticket to Chicago. I hung out on a friend's couch for like a week and I checked my hair went back to Farmington, Maine and just didn't talk about being trans for like a year straight. And like everybody wanted to talk to me about being trans. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. So I just want to make sure I'm following. So you were living out in Minneapolis. It wasn't obviously working out because you weren't getting what you needed there. And then you moved back eventually home to Massachusetts area and didn't talk to anyone about being trans for a year? Yeah, well, it's back to Maine, yeah. Maine, so. Maine, sorry. I don't know. I guess you were in Boston and part of the story. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But yeah, so I went back to Maine and just didn't talk about it. Like, I just refused to let people talk to me about it. And anytime they did, I would just black out on Xanax or alcohol. Like, you were just, it was just, like, too much because, like, you've had enough and, like, you just needed a break from it all, essentially? Yeah, I just... It was not that I needed a break from all. Like, I knew what I needed. You know, like, even in 2010, people were just talking about gender really weird. Like, nobody had language. Um, So 2017, it's not great right now, but it is a little bit better. And so, like, when I was, like, 2010, and I was, like, just detransitioning and, like, super anxious about the whole thing, and, like, nobody had any sort of reference to, like, what trans people were or what language to use or, like, how we talked about gender and like not a binary and like any of that at all. It just was totally mute. So like, I knew that I was still trans, but I kind of just told myself that like, I would, I would just black out for a couple of years and like do design and kind of try to make it through. And then when the conversation started to move a little bit better, then I retransitioned. Yeah. You know, you need something, right. And you can't have access to it. I can't even imagine how that feels. And like, how do you get past that and like just kind of acknowledge that maybe in time you can sort of transition in a comfortable space and a safe space? I mean, us trans people, maybe less now so than uh, when I was doing this, but like, you know, I just blacked out. That's like the best way to put it. Like I, you know, I came back and I just refused about it and I started to like there was this one person I had a huge crush on before I transitioned I was like in my head I was just like well if I date them then I I won't be trans like if I could do that and that'd be fine so I like got super fixated on this one person and I like just totally deflected all my dysphoria onto them and like when it got to the point where like we weren't even dating and I was just like, kind of like hoping. And I was just like, what am I doing? Like, am I really going to spend the rest of my life hoping I was with somebody to, to prevent me from not transitioning? 
So I just, there was so many deflection methods that I tried to do. Like it was either like I thought about them or I was on Xanax or drinking or I was just working myself 90 hour weeks. So yeah, it was a very weird time. Like it was, I was super productive, but not at all. It wasn't until like I had, I reconnected with that person one night. Like basically like I had left work and I was feeling really anxious and like really like a ton of dysphoria about gender. And I was like, well, I don't want to think about gender. So I'm just going to text them. So I, I like sat in this bar and this is like 2013. Yeah. 2013 in Portland, Maine. And I was just texting them and they weren't responding. And then I woke up the next day and I had a text from them being like, I don't know what's going on in your life, but whatever it is, doesn't really have anything to do with me. And like, I read that text and I was like, oh fuck, like I'm an asshole. And then I like walked into therapy like the, the next week and I was like, hey, would you need to write me a letter for estrogen right now? And my therapist is like, yeah. And I was like, right now. And she was like, okay. So then that's how I got estrogen. Wow. <laughs> so do you prefer, like, what is your dating preference? After I transitioned, I stopped caring I mean, I'm monogamous, but as to the gender identity of that person, I don't think I really care. Interesting. Uh, I think uh, I've typically found myself dating women just because it is sometimes easier for a trans woman to date another woman. But I've certainly been with men, too. Yeah. Wait, why is it easier? Just because, like, you're more relatable to a woman? Yeah, I think, well, I think testosterone is weird. So anytime I've, like, dated men, like, sometimes it's been really sweet and nice. Sometimes it's been really horrible. Same with women, too. But, like, I just think that, for me, at least, there's been an ease of, like, you're dating a trans woman, dating women. Like, they, I just feel like women generally get it quicker than some men do. Yeah, I mean, that's understandable. Or, like, I've also ran into places where, like, cis men specifically will like fetishize it. So you don't really know how long, like if they're like attracted to you for you or attracted to you because you're trans, like it, it just kind of convoluting everything. Mm. I did not know that that existed a fetish for um, men for trans. I had no idea. Do you want to explain what my trans health is to our listeners and how they can get more information about it? So my trans health is uh, an idea that we had back in 2014 that kind of came back to the healthcare stuff. And um, essentially it's like a very step-by-step guided process that we designed to help you get access to hormones or any sort of other surgery needs really quickly. So you head to the site and you just say, I identify as, we have like some suggested gender identities, but if you just start typing your own, it will fill out. Then when you do that, you hit next and you say where you live. We're in six cities right now, but by April, we're going to be in 20. And then after you do that, bring you into the experience. The first version that's live right now has like a, what do you need access to? Which talks about like mental health, um, legal and crisis care. And the second iteration that I just finished designing like a month ago, it doesn't do that process at all. So it just asks you your identity and where you live. Awesome. Um, and then do you want to mention the URL? So it's just uh, mytranshealth.com. Cool. Yeah. Where do you see the future for the LGBT community? 
the future of the LGBT community is interesting for me right now in the sense that I think cis gay men got kind of a wake up call with this new administration and they're going to ha- kind of have to like deal with like what it's like to not have equal rights again, even though like they have same sex marriage and stuff right now. And I think it's interesting just because the community itself has progressed so far since that, um, like trans people have like become super into the conversation since uh, same-sex marriage passed and a lot of the activists that worked on that have kind of faded out. So I think it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Like what I want is like, you know, Hari Neff kind of calls it a gender chill future. And that's exactly what I would love. Um, I think, you know, I think the, the future of LGBT is going to be interesting. I think there's going to be a divide in between the T and the LGBT as it's been for a while, but communities will still be communities. Um, I think the youth is queer as fuck, and I love that. Me uh, too. Shout out to the youth. Yeah, I just, I'm so stoked that the youth is queer. And, you know, I don't know. I just, I hope we get a gender chill feature. I hope feminism can keep pushing to be as intersectional as possible, even within queer communities that sometimes aren't. I hope queer people start reading more zines and just start getting down into dirty work. Absolutely. Are there any other, like before we wrap up, are there any resources and advice that you would offer to listeners as well as, of course, where they can reach you? So uh, Twitter is my main jam, just Robin Kanner, R-O-B-Y-N-K-A-N-N-E-R. That's kind of where I hang out the most and where I talk the most shit. Uh, (laughs) I have a Tumblr with the same name that has like a bunch of thoughts about gender on it from like, I think I was writing it mostly in like 2014. So if you want to deep creep me, that's the best way to do it. Wait, what did you just say? Deep creep you? Yeah. Like, 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 what does that mean? Like super stalk you? Like super creeper status? I'm going to crawl like my life go into my Tumblr because like that just has like all my weird feelings about dating and gender and a bunch of lyrics and like old vectors that I've made. It's just like it's got like a back history of my whole shit. So Robin and so it's Robin in the wild. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, and like, you know, I use Instagram to post pictures of my dog and that's about it. Cool. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. Really? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Listeners, thank you again so much for tuning in. You can listen to us on Naked and InsideOut.com, iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and Google Play. You can also find us through social media. If you just go to Naked and InsideOut.com, you can be directed there from the site. Call us. Leave us some feedback. 917-818-009. And I think I'm missing a number from my copy and paste. So I'll go back in and add that later. And yeah, rate us on iTunes if you like what you're hearing. Thanks as always. And until next time.